1: I hope you are having a happy, joyous day. Our premise here on our Jane Unchained broadcast is that we can all be happy, joyous, and free. Life isn't a zero-sum game. We don't need to kill to survive. For me to win, you don't have to lose. And we are so delighted to have an extraordinary guest with us today, the one and only Lady Freethinker, now, when I first started getting emails from Lady Freethinker, it was kind of like being in a Batman movie, and Batgirl was out there at rescuing animals, doing campaigns, and I was like, who is she? Who is Lady Freethinker? Well, today, here on Jane Unchained Live Talk, Voice America Influencers, we are revealing the true identity of Lady Freethinker. Nina Jacko, we are so honored to have you. Please tell us All about Lady Freethinker, how you came up with this incredible idea that has launched so many successful campaigns for animals, and then we'll get to your latest campaign involving some cruel coffee.
2: Take it away. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jane. Um, I love your little dog, by the way. My cat is right back there, if you can see her. That's Kira. I have another one right over there. Um, so thank you for the amazing introduction. Um, you know, I I wish I could say that Lady Freethinker is just, you know, me, but it's actually a whole team of people. Um, it's a nonprofit media organization that started as my personal blog seven years ago, but now, um, encompasses a team of writers and editors and investigators and a lot of dedicated people who just want to um, enlighten the world on what's happening to animals and expose animal cruelty and um, influence change by um, publishing petitions and news articles and grassroots actions to um, to encourage policymakers, lawmakers, law enforcement to actually take action against animal abuse and change the policies that allow it to happen in the first place. So, um, So that's really what we do in a nutshell. Wow. Well, one of the things that I think is so great about you
1: is You don't just complain, you immediately go into action with a mission and a goal. You launch petition drives, you do undercover investigations. Um, how do you go into action? Like, for example, I use my skills, and by the way, people share this out. And while I'm talking, I'll put it on myself. If you could share it out to your peeps, uh, from Jane Unchained News Facebook page, uh, Nina, or should I say Lady Freethinker, um. (laughs) But I will tell you this: I um, I'm a journalist, so I use journalism skills. Now I wish I had some of your campaign skills, where you um, really know that strategy of creating a campaign. Because there's so many things that happen so often where I go, "Oh my God, you know, why is this happening? What can we do?" And then I get I get really worked up, and it's like. What can we do to stop this? I mean, I'll give you the latest example of the Bayona Creek, okay? The Bayona wetlands, the last sliver of wetlands, 600 acres left here in Los Angeles County, and they want to bulldoze it. And they want to bulldoze it and create a restoration. Meanwhile, what's going to happen to the herons, the egrets, the terns, the snails, all of the animals who call that home? Where are they going to go? To heaven? You know, oh, that sounds and, insane. It sounds insane because we're in the middle of a, a, a crisis of extinction, species extinction. This is the way station where these animals stop when they're migrating south. These birds are flying. This is their their only rest stop left in, in L.A. And they want to bulldoze it. And they're calling it Orwellian language, a restoration, which freaks me out because it's like, what are we going to do? So. Um, what would you do, like, there's a meeting that's going to happen, we're going to urge everybody to attend, but what is your system when you decide something something really bad is happening, I'm going to move into action, what's the
2: thought process? Um, you know, we, what we really do are digital actions, um, petitions specifically. Um, you know, a petition to me is like a protest, but it's a protest that happens online. Um, you know, we'll post a petition about an issue explaining what the problem is, um, who, who has the power to do something about it and targeting that person and urging them to, to do it. And, um, when we post it to, to our followers, they sign it, they share it. And then ultimately what we're able to do is to reach out to that decision maker and say, Hey, look, we have a petition that, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people have signed. These people are paying attention to what you're doing, um, so you can't ignore this issue. And they want to know what you're going to do to remedy it. And um, you know what that does? It 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 keeps that issue, at, you know, front and center. It makes it impossible for them to just sweep it under the rug, and um, and also just shows them how many people actually care. And we're very much a global platform, so it it tends to be people from all around the world. So then the message is, well, people are watching people from all over the world, not just um, you know your constituents or people who who live here that you know are directly affected by it, but other people are watching what you do, and they care, and um, they want this to stop. Um, You know, that's what we do for, you know, pretty much every injustice that we find. You know, when we started, it was just reporting news. And we still do that because that's really important. Um, But then we started publishing petitions to just take that extra step and um, just sort of amass this digital protest that we can then present to to policymakers and, um, you know, at least make them pay attention.
1: Well, and let's get to your latest campaign. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Kopi Luwak. Exactly. So I actually was studying. It's, it's, I can't even believe it. This is like the ultimate bizarre luxury item. And like many luxury items, there's cruelty involved. So we all know nobody needs to wear fur. Okay. You can't even tell the faux fur from the real fur anymore. People don't climb out Everest wearing fur. So... This is another example of something that's almost like a totem. Like, look what I can afford. And literally, you're eating starts with an S, ends with a T. Yeah, do the math. Uh, Can you tell us what's going on and how you stumbled upon this and what you're doing about this luxury coffee?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it is a little bit unthinkable that something that literally is poop is the most expensive coffee in the world, Um, but it is. Um, So in Indonesia, there's this um, animal called the civet palm, also called the civet cat. It's a type of luwak. It's a little tricky because there are a few names, but it's called luwak coffee um, based on one of those names. And um, what happened is, as the, the legend goes, Back in the 1700s, the Dutch discovered that these um, civets or luwaks were eating coffee cherries just naturally, and um, that when they digested them, the beans actually stayed intact. And they thought that it actually tasted better than regular coffee when you brewed coffee from those beans that had been excreted out of of the luwak. And um, you know, it, it didn't really become popular. Until the 2000s, um, it was actually in the movie bucket list with Jack Nicholson. One oh. of the things on his bucket list was to be yeah, look coffee. And after that, it kind of exploded. Um, and whereas it used to be just people sort of randomly picking up the poop of luox, you know, not really affecting the animal, um, then it turned into an industry where they started actually caging. Oh the luox and um, they trap them in, in box traps and snares, steal these wild animals, these shy wild animals, and just put them in, um, you know, basically small-scale factory farms. You know, they're in wire cages. They have no food. They have no water. Um, you know, they'll put them in sunlight. They're exposed to all the noises of, of daytime. They're nocturnal animals, so for them, that's really traumatic um they're not supposed to be in sunlight they don't want to be listening to all these noises around them they're not supposed to be um you know stacked together in, in wire cages um so you know as typical in these situations they develop zucosis they pace back and forth they chew on their own limbs and um you know are basically miserable just so that they can sell this coffee that it sells up up to um i think 3500 dollars a pound is the most expensive one that i've heard of and um yeah it's considered a luxury item um as disgusting as it even sounds it uh, it just is because it's so rare and it has this reputation um <laughs> but there's really two ugly sides to this industry and the first one is the manufacturing of the coffee itself but what's also happened is that it's turned into this tourist industry in Bali. so you can actually book these tours to what they call um luwak, luwak plantations these aren't plantations these are basically glorified zoos where tourists um go in and they kind of gawk at the luwaks during you know broad daylight they're loud they're um, you know, obviously traumatized in Luwaks who don't even want to be awake at this hour and you know people are staring at them and taking pictures and petting them and all that. So um, basically they just live to be um, you know to, to be gawked at by tourists and then at the end of the tour of course they want to sell you the, the Luwak coffee you know because it's the novelty item um, and the Luwak coffee they sell doesn't come from the Luwaks that they put on display. It comes from places that are even worse the factory farm type ones And so our investigator actually went to um, To all of these she went to multiple tourist attractions, which are cruel enough um, But then she also managed to gain access to where they breed the Luox and raise the Luwaks Where they actually get the coffee from where the conditions are so terrible that they wouldn't even use them for for tourist attraction They're just um, I mean, they're disgusting. The farm that she visited, it had stacks of cages. It was not just Luwaks, but chickens. There were two dogs in cages, um, either for dog meat or for religious sacrifice. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, just the way these animals are treated is absolutely atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious.
1: So what are you doing about it?
2: Well, um, the first step was exposing the issue. Our investigation was just released last week. There was an ex- in the Daily Mail that came out about it. I'm very happy they covered it. Um, you know, step one, educate the public. Tell them don't buy Kopi Luwak, Luwak Coffee, Civet Coffee, whatever it's labeled under. If it comes from a civet in Valley, don't buy it. So that's um, the first step. And um, then the second step is reaching out to um, the places that sell these tours. Um, you know, TripAdvisor does sell tours to Luwak Farms. There are other places you can buy it. Um, You can buy it online easily um, from many sources. And so the next step is outreach to to these um, companies that are enabling the industry by selling either the the tours to the attractions or selling the coffee itself. And there are many of them. um, And we are going to reach out to as many as we can. Um, Many times these uh, companies are unaware of the cruelty. It's not a huge industry. There's not... A lot of uh, buzz about it as there is with you know say um, say uh, orca attractions at SeaWorld you know TripAdvisor stopped selling tickets to those a long time ago because there was a huge outlash you know when Blackfish came out Um, but with the Luwak coffee it's not as known so a lot of these companies um, not that it makes it right for them to list them but a lot of them I don't think are aware of the cruelty so we want to make them aware and encourage them to do everything they can to not promote this kind of cruelty.
1: Well, thank God for you because I didn't know this and I'm always studying issues of this nature. So it just boggles my mind that humans will come up with yet another way to torture animals needlessly. I have great coffee. I'm drinking it right now. I get it from Brewing Good, which is a company that does sustainable, fair trade, Um, ethically sourced coffee beans and a percentage goes to an animal sanctuary so every time I have coffee I feel good about it they deliver it right to my door it's great tasting coffee and there's no need to so we can make coffee a force for good or we can make coffee a force of evil and the irony is I was looking through some of the reviews a lot of people say the civic coffee doesn't taste good. I've never tasted it, nor will I. But then the added irony of, many people say it doesn't taste good. It tastes like what it is, starts with an S, ends with a T. Can you address that? And what what that says about human nature, which is so bizarre that we would torture an animal to pay extreme amounts of money for coffee that tastes like S ends in T.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. And I haven't tasted it either. I don't think I ever will. Um, at least not knowingly. Um, and I think there are a couple of reasons that humans are drawn to that. I mean, there's the scarcity principle. I know i um, in marketing um, that's used heavily and that is that it's rare. People want something that's rare. They want something that nobody else has had. Um, It's exotic. It only comes from Bali. Um, I think now in Vietnam, there might be civet farms too, but but it's extremely rare and exotic. So immediately that makes it appealing to some people. Um, And then just the fact that it's expensive. People think if something's expensive, well, it must be better. It must be amazing. And of course that's not true um but i think well i
1: want to jump in a little bit because mm-hmm. i have a theory mm-hmm. and my theory is that all status symbols are basically a sign of low self-esteem in other words if you know your place in the world and you are very secure in your social status you don't need to run around with a giant wow. fur coat and a very wow. fancy watch wow. To, wow. as a totem to tell everybody hey you know, look at me. I'm, I'm insulated from your judgment because you could tell because I'm wearing these overpriced status symbols that I have money. People who actually have money or have had money for generations often don't operate that way. In fact, they are quite opposite. Sometimes they'll drive a beat up car because they don't want anybody to know they have money. So to me, all these status symbols, especially the cruel ones, are signs that people are socially insecure, which means they have low self-esteem. They don't know their place in the world. So anytime I see somebody walking around with a big fur and a big giant gold watch and, you know, boasting about, oh, I just got a bag of civet coffee, I say to myself, oh, wow, you know, that person is really, really insecure And has very low self-esteem and is trying to prop themselves up uh we have one minute uh what's your response to that
2: uh well i i would agree with that and um i think that the people who need those things to make them feel better about themselves have something lacking in other places in their lives and that they would feel much more fulfilled if they um spent that on things that you know like like we do you know trying to create some good in the world that makes an impact instead of just um, allows allows them to show off.
1: Yeah. And so I think it's important for us to push that out because if people suddenly realize, wait a second, if I'm wearing this fur and walking around with a bag of civet coffee, that means I'm insecure and have low self-esteem, then maybe they won't do it. You know, in other words, if, if we expose the secret mentality behind all this overconsumption of luxury goods, um, then we will um perhaps discourage people from doing that you know it's kind of like society does change it used to be that the leaders of industry all wore suits and ties and they had a certain look and now the most powerful people walk around in t-shirts they might be 500 dollars t-shirts but they're still t-shirts you know uh the the zuckerbergs and the the google people there they've changed the culture so now you're more likely to be a captain of industry if you're walking around in a T-shirt than if you're wearing a suit. You know, you might. You're more likely to maybe be a security guard if you're wearing a suit. <laughs> so uh, I think we can also change it. And and basically, what I'm saying is making this kind of purchases not cool. But right. if we can make it not cool, and I, I do feel like you're very, very uh, much a part of that. So we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're staying live on.
3: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
0: Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators, to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: All right, we're getting a lot of comments on Facebook. Yes, you want to know, Miriam came in late. Who's the speaker? Lady Freethinker. We are revealing her identity Today, (laughs) here on Jane Unchained uh, Live Talk, Uh, I often, I get your emails all the time, and I always look at them, and I was, wow, how many campaigns? Right now, you're doing the Kopi Luwak, don't buy that coffee because it's animal torture is involved. You're trying to send a message to the tour groups, don't do those tours. How is that going, by the way? Are you getting a response from some of the big companies? Like, for example, the Trip Advisors of the World, and they are invited on Jane Unchained anytime. I'd love to talk to them and dialogue with them about this. Um, what's what's the feedback been, and how many people have signed, et cetera?
2: Um, well, this is a brand new campaign, um, so it's only a few days old. Um, I think our signature count right now is about 20000 on the petition, um, so it's a strong start. And um it, it generally takes a while to get feedback, especially the larger the corporation, um, the, the longer it takes to really get a dialogue going. Um, you know, we did something similar um, with Facebook uh, a while back, and um, actually that did result in a dialogue with them, which, which was excellent, um, you know, until we did a petition and... Um, and got meat exposure. It was, you know, virtually impossible to to open that dialogue. But, but I do think that once things become public and these corporations start to see that people care and that people want to see the cruelty stop, then they do respond. And, um, you know, as as you know, change is a slow process. Nothing happens overnight. But, you know, mm-hmm. we we will be there for as long as it takes to to get real change happen with this campaign and with all of our campaigns.
1: We've gotten uh, a lot of comments. Basically, if I had to sum up all the comments about the civic coffee, imbeciles. That was my favorite descriptive adjective, why people would pay huge amounts of money to drink coffee that is literally excrement. It it blows my mind. So um, getting back to you, because I think your history is fascinating, and again, when I first got the Lady free, I was like, who's Lady Freethinker? It was like a mystery. So how did you develop this whole idea of Lady Freethinker? And where did you
2: work before that, if you can tell me? Um, Yeah, no problem. Um, So Lady Freethinker actually started as, um, it was really just my blog. Um, You know, I I was a journalist. Um, I wasn't a broadcast journalist like you, but I was a writer. And so I really wanted a forum where I could write about the things that I cared about, which, you know, are mainly animals and animal rights. Um, and other sort of ethical issues. And um, the name Free Thinker um, sort of came from the desire to write about and, and think about things that are outside of the norm, um, outside of the, the things that um, you know most people just sort of take for granted and accept every day, even though they might not really be um, right or, or the best way to live and to sort of examine the way that we treat animals the way that we treat the environment the way that we treat each other all of these things that um, we don't necessarily think about every day and um, Just sort of thinking more freely more openly about those things to sort of get to the truth and get to the best way to live So that's really how it started um, now back then um, was actually even before I started working for Last Chance for Animals um, in Los Angeles. And oh, so- my
1: buddy, Chris DeRose. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> I, you
1: know, Chris and I go way back, way back to the hard copy days, which was a show where he did a lot of uh, um, stories about terrible animal abuse with um, some of the reporters on that Show and the producers and we were all based on the paramount lot of hard copy and the local TV station I worked for KCAL. in fact I'm about to go to the KCAL 30th anniversary reunion in a couple of weeks 30 years since I came out here from New York, but um, Chris DeRose is amazing. He's a handsome former soap star who just decided to uh, Get into animal rights and uh, He's uh, don't mess with Chris. I'll tell you that much
2: Definitely don't mess with Chris. And, um, you know, during my time there, I uh, was hired as a writer because I was a journalist at that time. But then um, as I worked there, I became the campaign director and got more more involved in campaigns. And um, he was a tremendous influence on, on me and on Lady Freethinker, you know, even though he's this kind of macho masculine man and Lady Freethinker obviously is a little more female, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, just that drive, that vigor, that passion, that uh, determination to... To seek justice for animals, um, really, really inspired me, and um, I have to say that he was and is, you know, absolutely fearless in in exposing animal cruelty and, and fearless in speaking out his ideas and speaking out for what he thinks is right. And um, you know, I I try and try and be like that as much as I can too.
1: Well, what's next for Lady Freethinker? I know you have fundraisers because. How do, you, how do you function? Like people used to ask me, how are you going to monetize this? I said, well, how did they monetize the Underground Railroad? And then they would look at me like I was crazy and walk away. The truth is I started a nonprofit because it was a money pit. And I said, well, if it's a money pit, let's make it a nonprofit. And so we do fundraisers and we raise money for all sorts of special projects. We've done documentaries. We have something also very exciting happening uh, now, which we're going to be able to announce uh, in maybe even a couple of hours. Um, and um, so that's how we operate. We just raise funds. There's no, they're there. It's, uh, there's no attempts to monetize anything. I mean, I'm one of these people, I've always bargained the wrong way anyway. In fact, once I was at a, I was at a uh, uh, in Mexico at a, one of those bazaars, it was really wonderful. And I was trying my Spanish out and I was bargaining and the woman said, no senora, no senorita. She's like, you're going the wrong way. You're you're bargaining (laughs) up. You got to bargain down. She scolded me. (laughs) So anyway, that's my
2: story. What's your story? Well, when it first started, um, yeah, it was absolutely my pit. I expected it to be. I self-funded for the first, um, let's see, five years. Um, Much to my amazement, after five years, it actually started growing to the point where um, our audience was large and we were getting a lot of small donations from people who just appreciated what we were doing and and wanted to pitch in to help animals. And um, since then, we've actually, um, we've been growing significantly. I'm extremely fortunate, knock on wood, um, you know it it continues this way, but um, we have some extremely generous and supportive donors who really care about what happens to animals and really want to help get the message out um, support that we, the work that we do exposing it, support the petitions, um, support the direct aid that we also give to on-the-ground rescuers. And um, yeah, so it's really just small donations from dedicated readers.
1: And we've got a caller, Sarah, from Beverly Hills on the line. Sarah, <laughs> your question or thought?
2: Hey, um, thank you, Lady Freethinker. Thank you, Nina. I really, I appreciate you so much. I get your emails and I love what you do, and thank you so much for bringing these uh, issues to our awareness. I do want to ask you about Saturday. I believe that there is a fundraiser, like a basketball game. I wanted to see if you could talk about that and tell the viewers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for reading and for participating. Um, you know, we only exist, exist because people like you read and take part in in our articles and petitions. So thank you for that. And yes, um, on Saturday, Lady Freethinker will be uh, the nonprofit of the game at the Clippers game, wow. uh, Clippers versus Kings at, uh, yeah, at, at the Staples Center. Uh, we do still have some tickets available. Um, so we would love for, um, you know, everyone to attend. Um, you can learn more about it on ladyfreethinker.org. There's a little graphic in the sidebar that says, join us at the Clippers. Um, I can also post a link in the comments down here earlier, but, uh, but no, thank you for asking about that. Um, it, it should be a really fun show. Um, you know, you get to watch a basketball game and, and support our work. So it's a win-win. I love that. Oh my God.
1: Whoa, that's impressive. I'm typing it in the comment section right now at the Staples Center. Yeah, the Staples Whoa. Center. Yeah. How'd you pull that off? Oh. Lady Freethinker, <laughs> once again, I picture you flying around Los Angeles and landing on the Staples Center. Uh, okay, how did you pull that off? That's really amazing.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, someone who worked there um, just knew of our work and actually approached us last year to do it, so we've been planning it for a while.
1: Wow, wow, wow. So, you know, it's great you think big. Now, you know, one of the things that um, I see is that we have a commonality, and one of the great things about the vegan movement is that we redefine um, how... uh, what, what, what normally would be considered like competition. Like um, what I really loved was when the, the head of Impossible Foods was interviewed and the woman said, well, now your competition beyond meat is da 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 And he said, first, I'd like to correct you. They're not my competition. We are on the same page. We are heading for the same goal. And I wish them the very best. My competition are the companies that are killing animals. And I just, wow, I just loved it. Um, And it's the same thing with journalists who are doing this stuff. Um, You and I, in in that other world where everything's a zero-sum game, might be competitors of a certain degree. But we are helping each other because we are both sharing the exact same goal. Ditto for TheirTurn.net, run by Donnie Moss, and Plant-Based News, and Live Kindly, and The Dodo, and um, Veg News. obviously, one of the biggest And the list goes on and on and on. If I've missed anybody, my apologies. But the wonderful thing is that we have a whole different attitude. And honestly, not to say that we're, you know, up here, because I have many, 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 many character defects, Um, but it's a nice attitude. And I think it comes from the whole point of life isn't a zero-sum game. We're talking about evolution here with veganism. If you don't have to kill to survive, it changes your mentality. Then for me to win, you don't have to lose. Um, For you to win, I don't have to lose. We're on the same team. Can you talk about that? Like, it feels like society is changing now, especially with Joaquin Phoenix, my hero, um, talking about animal rights at the
2: bleeping Oscars. Yeah, he's uh he's doing amazing work getting the word out. Um, yeah, his speech at the Oscars. Then after the SAG Awards, he went right to the pig save and um, um, at, at Farmer John's for the the vigil. Um, yeah, he's doing a fantastic job. But but as far as us all working working together and, and not con- considering ourselves com- competitors, um, I think that's crucial for our mission to. To thrive and to succeed, um, and I think that even though we're doing somewhat similar things, we're all doing it in a different way. That's mm-hmm. you know how it is because we're all individual, and um, you know yes, I've worked with Live Kindly. We've sort of swapped you know articles. Um, obviously, I love working with you. Um, collaboration is how you make your, your momentum stronger. And um, you know, they say the rising tide lifts all ships. I truly believe that when we build each other up, we all benefit as a result of that. When we tear each other down, we're giving the entire movement a bad name and doing a disservice to the animals more than anything else. Um, So I truly believe in collaboration. Um we collaborate with many nonprofits. Right now we actually have a billboard up um that says horse racing kills horses that we collaborate with horse racing wrongs to put up. Um we collaborate with a group in South Korea called Save Korean Dogs um, to help them um, do their fantastic work saving dogs from the dog meat trade. Um, we were a member of the uh, coalition to ban Foie Gras in New York, which was successful. And um, you know, now of course they're working to get the fur ban. Um, you know, the great things that happen for animals happen because because of the work of many groups, and whether those are journalists, or other kind of advocacy groups or rescue groups. Um, the more that we work together, the more that we actually accomplish. And I mean, my number one goal is to accomplish things, not just get the, get the recognition for it, but to actually get it done.
1: I say the same thing. After 40 years in the news business, I want to be sitting on the beach, reading a trashy novel and eating vegan bonbons. I mean, <laughs> we're doing this because uh, it has to be done. And it seems like there's a new challenge every day. When I woke up and I saw that they want to trash the Bayona wetlands, um, my heart broke. My heart broke. And then when I saw that they were calling it a restoration, I mean, 600 acres, you're going to put almost 10 miles of bike paths and hiking trails in 600 acres, do the math, where are the animals going to go? I mean, even on the face of it, And the fact is that I live in the area, I bike all the time. You can bike from uh, whatever, uh, Pacific Palisades to Manhattan Beach and beyond and back. There's a million bike trails. There's plenty of hiking paths. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. So we had to move into action. So let me ask you this question. Why is it that your um, petitions are so successful? I know you have a secret sauce. How do you get so many people to sign them?
2: Um, you know, I wish I could say there was some magic formula. It's just, it's taken a long time um, of building up a a loyal audience that learns to expect that from us and wants to be involved, you know, and it took a lot of time to get there, but now we have an email list of about 1.5 million subscribers. And so when we send out the, the emails with petitions, um, we'll we'll get a lot of signatures, um, but then after that, there's also the follow through. You know, and as we've grown, there's there's staff that that helps with that. Um, you know, Alexis, our, our amazing petition manager, she you know does so much outreach and now out, reaches out to every single target to let them know about the petition, to urge them to take action, uh, follows up and gets updates.
1: A uh, question: uh, How do you get the companies to look at the petition, and how do you gauge their response?
2: Um, you know, it depends. Um, most of our petitions are directed at uh, law enforcement, prosecutors, uh, politicians, and not companies. Some are. The companies are actually the hardest ones because um, they deal with nonstop consumer complaints and reports and feedback. So it, it's harder to get in the door with those. Um, I found that you may have to make a lot of noise. You have to make a lot of noise to get them to listen to you. You have to get a lot of signatures and um, you have to reach out multiple times. And, um, and try and get to the right person because a lot of times the hardest part is just finding the person to get the petition too because the CEOs aren't advertising their personal email addresses online. Um, you can write a letter to headquarters, they'll probably never see it. So it, it really takes perseverance and research just to find that right person to contact and then contacting them and then often contacting them more than once um, and showing them the numbers, and showing them what people are saying, and and trying to get that dialogue open. And then once that dialogue is open, that's when you can start to make some progress.
1: Yeah, and you know, people say, "Oh, why are you marching? Why are you protesting? Where are the bullhorns?" Well, we we ask nicely. I mean, there's so many organizations. They send, for example, with the fur, they send the videos. They send. They talk about the anal electrocution, and they are chewing their own limbs off in these traps, and crickets no response and then you know you have to be more forceful it's only sometimes when these companies are embarrassed and humiliated that they they could they could listen to a nice plea for compassion but sometimes they don't all right we're going to take another short break and we're going to hear some of our great voice america music we can dance along
3: you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market sustainable success is just around the corner if you are an entrepreneur business leader or anybody looking for their next level of success Tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Guarantee, it will be the best hour of your week.
0: We don't follow, we leave. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to janeunchainnews at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: All right, we are here with the one and only Lady Freethinker. And if you're one of the more than 1 million people who gets her emails and wonder who is Lady Freethinker, you have found out today the mystery has been solved. We have revealed the true identity of Lady Freethinker. Free Thinker, who is a superhero for animal rights. Tell us about some of your other campaigns. Uh, I saw one that was very sad about dolphins being shot.
2: Oh, um, that was a recent petition. Yes, off the coast of Miami. Um, There's actually been a string of dolphin killings, um, the most recently in the past few weeks being dolphins who were shot and stabbed. And um, they're still looking for whoever did this. Um, so many times in these cases, particularly with wildlife, they never get solved and they never find it. So we're, we're really pushing for the wildlife authorities to, to find out who did this. Um, because people who do that to an animal are probably going to do it again. And, um, even if it's not an animal, it might be a child. It it might be their, their significant other, um, you know, people who, Who stab and and shoot innocent creatures should not be walking around the streets. So we urge them to find that Um, And that's that's a very recent one and um, you know, we hope that they find whoever's responsible Um, For some of our other petitions um, um, You know some of the more successful I, I I would say Um, cases that we've had lately. Um, In Chile, we actually uh, about a year and a half ago did an investigation in Chile at the property of a known dogfight breeder. He um, had a property up in the hills where nobody actually lived except for about 24 dogs stuck in cages with no food or water. Um, Their bowls were basically just Covered in green slime. I don't know when the last time they actually had clean water was. There were three puppies that were just dead, lying oh. dead on the ground. Um, and along with that, an entire um, cage of, of roosters, um, rows of cages of roosters, actually for for cockfighting. Um, and this was someone who had had been exposed before for similar things, but the police had never taken any action um, in Chile. If things are a little more lax, or at least they were previously, um, to this. But our investigator um, went in with her GoPro. She was so brave and amazing. And the people we have working for Lady Freethink are incredible. Um, so our investigator, who was in Chile, went went and went to the property, not really even expecting to find anything because this property had been exposed before. You'd think this guy would be smart enough not to keep dogs there anymore and to keep pushing his luck, but, but there were 24 dogs. Um, The dead puppies and so she documented that and she went straight to the uh, police and filed a police report They um, they seized all the dogs. Every single dog was rescued from the property. Yeah, it was amazing Um, All these volunteer groups came through and and picked up the dogs and and cared for them and gave them fosters Um, And now recently we finally had the sentencing in that case um, where we presented our petition of over 30,000 signatures And um, what happened was the perpetrator got the strongest sentence in the history of the entire nation of Chile. Yeah, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And we were so happy to see that result. Um, You know, they just recently strengthened their laws, maybe the year before, but no one had ever actually been sentenced under them yet. Um, And in this case, uh, he got the maximum sentence, the maximum sentence. So he's never allowed to have another animal for the rest of his life. And um to me in these cases that's more important than jail. It's more important than a fine. It's not allowing these people to have animals so that they can continue to to abuse and to kill um and, and to harm other animals. Um so that it's a precedent in Chile and we hope that now um you know the dog fighting rings in Chile have have learned that that's just not going to fly anymore that nobody's going to tolerate that
1: a couple of things occur to me first of all bravo well done wow and then some people go oh that's disgusting whether it's the dog meat trade whether it's um what's happening in chile with dog fighting or cock fighting somewhere and then people here in the united states will get all high on their well no i just caught myself about to say something (laughs) which we're working on We're, we're we've launched a campaign to come up with compassionate alternatives to speciesist phrases, they'll get um, all superior and say, oh, those cultures, guess what? We are so hideously cruel to pigs, to chickens, to turkeys, to goats, to lambs, and to horses. Um, it's unbelievable what we do to animals in the factory farm system, the concentrated animal feeding operations, the warehouses where we keep these animals. But." On a brighter note, it seems like there's a cultural shift underway just in the last few months. I mean, it started with the Beyond Meat IPO. I feel like that's when I felt like a breakthrough. And then uh, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Fast food after fast food company opening up, offering plant-based alternatives. And then you had the buildup to Joaquin Phoenix, Um, at the SAG Awards, at the Golden Mike Awards, the Golden Globe Awards, and is at the Oscars addressing the issue of animal agriculture's horrific impact on the climate and its cruelty. Where do you see us going?
2: I see the future. I I see so much progress in the future. I see us shifting toward plant-based food, food. You know, a very small percentage of the world considers themselves vegan right now. I think it's less than 1%, but there's so many other people who are still choosing to get the Impossible Burger, to get the Beyond Burger, um, to drink almond milk and soy milk instead of dairy milk. There's this tremendous shift happening right now um, to where people who don't identify as vegan even would prefer to eat the plant-based options. Over the meat, um, for so many reasons—for the environment, for the cruelty, for their health—I um, I personally think that we will evolve past meat completely. I think we'll evolve past animal products completely. Um, I'm especially hopeful for the um, for the the cultured meats that are on the horizon, to where you can grow the meat without actually killing an animal. Um, There's so many options that we've never had before and the the list is only growing um so i just i don't see how with with the unsustainability of meat with the with the cruelty just frankly with the disgustingness of it um as someone who hasn't eaten meat since i was 12 it i just it just seems so unappealing to me um i think once people start eating plant-based and get away from it, they, they start to feel that way too. Um, I mean, I think a future is plant-based, pure and simple. And um, that's the only way that our planet is, well, our planet will survive. It's the only way that we will survive is if we um, continue that switch toward plant-based foods. So tell us your personal plant-based journey. Yeah, well, um, when I was a child, I had a little dog named Peggy, who I loved. She was my life. She looked like a little fox. Um, and I just loved her so much and I just remember one day just sitting on the steps with with Peggy and looking at her and just looking into her eyes and um, you know just thinking like this is an animal and I could never imagine myself killing and eating this animal I and mean, how horrifying would that be right and then for some reason something just sort of clicked and I thought well well what is the difference between this and and the cow or, or the pig um, you know, that I'm served on on my plate every day. And um, from that day, I just, I stopped eating meat. Um, And I don't remember what it tastes like anymore. And maybe that's a good thing. Um, You know, vegan took a little bit longer. I, you know, for a long time, I was still a, a huge cheese eater. Uh, especially that was really hard to give up. But then once I started working for Last Chance for Animals and became educated on the cruelty in dairy, because I think a lot of people don't really know how how cruel dairy is. It just seems like something um, really benign—you're just milking a cow in a pasture or something—and you know it, it's it's not like that at all. Obviously, you're stealing babies from their mothers and shipping them off to to be slaughtered for veal, and there's um, you know a lot of horror there. Uh, Once I started learning more about that at Last Chance for Animals actually was when I started shifting toward an entirely plant-based diet. And that was about, um, you know, about five or six years ago.
1: Wow. How amazing. This is an incredible journey. And so um, we, we want to just sort of get a sense while we're talking to you of where you see 2020. Like to me, And I've been doing this for a long time. I relate to your story. I had a dog, um, Mr. Monday. I came home from school one day. My parents had given my dog away. The dog was gone. And I had like a breakdown. I was like, I never really had a a communication with my parents the same way after that. And uh, maybe I was in, I don't know. I was like second, first grade, no, second or third grade. And uh, you know all the lies it's, oh she's going he's going Mr Monday's going to a farm and the story kept changing and even then I knew That was the first thing the first thing that started me. So I think for a lot of people that first experience of loving an animal like a brother or sister or a child and Something happens because they are still treated like commodities um, and so you know We are changing. We are evolving. Is it happening quickly enough? I don't know. I mean, we have a, I could tell you about my documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, which is on Amazon Prime and free to Amazon Prime members. Basically, it profiles work of Dr. Silas Rao, who says, we've got seven years left. If we don't transition to mostly plant-based, we're going to hit an ecological catastrophe that there's no turning back. Um, And so he believes we can create a plant-based world by 2026. And I believe that he's right. It's happening quickly. So in the last three minutes, what do you see? 2019 was such a powerful year. And I was saying all that by way of saying, I've been working at this for so many years uh, and uh, been vegan about 23 years. And uh, I slogged along being called a freak at work. You know, maybe not those words, but you know how it was, right? You're a weirdo. And then all of a sudden, boom, 2019. Ha! Huh! What a change. What a change.
2: What do you see for 2020? I see more and more and um, I just see the options growing. I think that we'll see more and more replacements for animal products in the grocery stores, um, at fast food chains. I mean, I'm already astonished. You can get a Dill Taco. You can go to Carl's Jr. Um, you can go to all these places and get um, a vegan, a vegan burger. I mean, it's insane. I think uh Dunkin' Donuts now has something. I mean, they're all over the place, like vegan sausage patties, vegan this. Um, And and I think that this trend is only going to grow. It's not going to shrink because people are becoming more and more aware um, thanks to investigations and and thanks to to journalists and um, education that is unstoppable with social media. People are becoming more and more aware that it's it's delicious, it's better for you. And ultimately, it's really the only way to, to stop this just mass, Cruelty to animals that's happening Mm -hmm. every day. I mean, going plant based is the only way to avoid that. And I think most people are good at heart, and most people don't want to eat in a way that um, causes torture to another animal. They don't. They just, most of the time, haven't really known anything different. But when all of these options keep appearing, and they will more and more, it's a big industry, um, and I'm happy about that. Um, you know, we have good food Institute. We have, um, so many foundations and organizations and corporations, even Tyson now, right. Coming up with plant-based options. Um, it's not going anywhere. I mean, the future is plant-based and it's, it's only going to, to become even more so.
1: Wow. I love your vision. And so we (laughs) have the same vision. Let's make it happen. We can have a plant-based world. And um, you know, what's very interesting is we have the last 30 seconds. There are these efforts to fight uh, this movement, the Dairy Pride Act, which by the way, Elizabeth Warren is co-sponsored to basically say you can't have, uh, you can't call butter, if it's soy butter, you can't call it butter because people are so confused. Oh my God, when I see the words peanut butter, I get so confused and disoriented. What a crock. Okay. People are, don't insult our intelligence, but in any case, a lot of times it backfires. You know, they tried to knock out Just Mayo and they ended up giving Just Mayo $21 million in free advertising. They're going to try to stop these products with saying, you can't call them dairy. You can't call them milk. You can't call them cheese. It's just going to create more news articles and give us more publicity. So keep it coming. That's what I say. Keep it coming. And Lady Freethinker. Please keep your emails coming. I look forward to them so much. Go to ladyfreethinker.org, sign up, and also maybe we'll all see you at the Staples Center for (laughs) the charity basketball game. So thank you again. I know you're such a busy, free-thinking lady, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here on Voice America Radio slash Jane Unchained News. We'll see you next time